0: podcast one production
1: this is the five of my life with me nigel marsh the series where i talk to notable people about five of their defining things the way it works is my guests always choose a favorite film book song place and possession they tell me their choices in advance so i can research them but they don't tell me why they've chosen them that's the subject of our conversation The reason I devised this series is I wanted to create a slightly different way to gain an insight into the real lives and thoughts of prominent people. Anya Hindmarch founded her eponymous fashion business at the age of 19. Over the next decade, she relentlessly grew it into a prestige brand with over 50 stores globally. Winner of Designer of the Year on seven separate occasions and awarded both an MBE and an OBE for her services to fashion, Anya's products and brand have cult status amongst the fashion conscious around the world. This episode of Five My Life is on location as I caught up with Anya at Fashion HQ in her office in London. So, Anya, uh, the five choices that we're about to discuss, were they the obvious ones that just immediately sprang out at you? Or did you agonise about lots of different candidates for each individual one?
0: Well, interestingly, actually, the five choices... um,
1: You can't tell me what they are yet. No, I'm
0: not telling you what they are yet, I promise. Um, They fell out quite quickly, actually, because... um, I don't know. As you get older, you know more about yourself, don't you? I think is the truth. And so um, they were quite—they were quite quick to do. Um, and um, as you might know, I did the lovely Desert Island Discs, which was a really lovely honour a few years ago. And uh, and that was harder. And it was interesting, actually. I think having done that and having sort of learnt more about myself, having just passed the fifty mark, um, you you get to know what you're really about. So, um, so no. It was Who was the easy.
1: host on Desert Island Discs?
0: Custy, Kirsty Young. Oh, I love her. I know. I Just. Know. She's amazing. And, and for
1: me, a bit like having a book that has a classic Penguin cover, yeah. for no other reason than I feel I would have made it. <laughs> to be on Desert Island Discs, that is a dream. It really is. That was. is a dream. one
0: of those amazing... Did fecals. you let
1: yourself down, or did you... Um, you know, I was
0: nervous, I will be honest, because it's such a huge thing. I think the, the funny thing about that show is that it's such so widely listened to, and, and over... You know, people go back and listen to them again and again, and I think... That when you're doing it, um, unlike if you do an interview for, you know, like Vogue magazine or, you know, whatever it might be, it's a very specific audience and you can talk to that audience. And actually when you're doing something like that, you're talking to everyone you've ever known, be it your teachers at school or your, you know, the fashion crowd you do at work. So you you actually just, it's, it's quite disarming, you have to just be yourself um so um but i absolutely love Kirsty, so she's fab and um and i love music so that was nice to talk about that um and i think i hope i did not let myself down of course there's always things you will probably rather <laughs> I'm change sure you but, uh- did.
1: did you discuss your five choices with your fella
0: uh, or, your, or, your, or your mates or your I mum or your whatever. I did with my husband a bit, actually. Um, and, um, and it's funny, you, you kind of write a few things down and then you suddenly have 110 choices and you, of course, only need eight. Uh, and then you hone it down, you hone it down. And actually, it's really about what really matters to you as opposed to what you start off with, what you kind of slightly think should matter to you, and then you work out, no, that, that's not what matters. Well, what good really
1: matters. on you. And, and we're starting with uh, the 10th highest grossing animated film of all time, a film that got 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the children's classic Finding Nemo tell me the story behind that well, how
0: sophisticated! Hey, <laughs> it's not quite your art sort of film. Um, I uh, it's I mean I think it's just because it has a nice memory really for me. It's it's a film that I think it just it's so brilliantly written because it, it has all the sort of the layers of of, of humour that appeal to a five year old you know right up to my husband sixty three so right up to you know and beyond to, to anyone so you can you can kind of you can enjoy it as as you as you will and 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 read into it and um, it just has a lovely memory so it's it's about the only film as a family that we can watch together and all enjoy and you've
1: got an absurd amount of kids haven't you you've got five i've got five i usually say to people you're a lightweight because i've got four but, but <laughs> so I'm, I'm, out trance, right? I'm out of my debt i'm out
0: of my debt i'm a bit of a cheat there i will be honest because i married a widower um and uh, so you borrowed some i borrowed some okay um but i've i've had them since they were one three and four so i've kind of very much had them and um and loved them very much um and so we have therefore three and then uh, we had two more um, so, um, it's a film that we all love. And, um, and if ever I'm trying to do that Christmas, come on, everyone, we can try and find a film. Um, it's pretty impossible. My husband's like crazy about science fiction. I just only like things that relate to my life now and today. Um, <laughs> you know, the kids want you know, et etc. et cetera. So it was, it, we were actually sitting, um, uh, a long way away in the Galapagos Islands, um, which was the, was a really a trip of a lifetime for, for the family. And we were with, um, about four other families so we were i think 32 i think we were something like eight adults and and i mean 22 children or something ridiculous um and and what's amazing about the galapagos islands you're 600 miles off ecuador um you have no phone signal and it's just you and and this landscape that's sort of untouched actually by um by sort of you know today um, and we, therefore, the lovely thing about a bit of boredom is that out of boredom comes creativity and we were playing games and doing stuff. And there was just this one lovely night when everyone was very tired because it's sort of an underwater safari, basically. Um, and, and we were all sort of holed up and, you know, in our sort of old tracksuit bottoms and everyone covered in sort of you know, blankets. And, and, and we all put on Finding Nemo and everyone, all 32 of us, watched it. And we just, it was just a very lovely, lazy moment. So oh, yeah, that's what reminds me of
1: that. I love kids' films, a bit like um, Toy Story. You go, it, it's got something for everyone. You can watch it as a 63-year-old, but also as a three-year-old.
0: And strangely, you can also watch those sorts of films when they're really well-written. You can watch them again and again. Yeah. So it's not a one-hit wonder. You can actually go back and find more in it. So they are beautifully written. So so that's why it's special to me.
1: I love it. So we're moving from children's fiction to, I mean, I'm, I'm loath to call it this, but adult self-help. You have chosen a book <laughs> written in alcohol? 1978 <laughs> <laughs> by Shakti Gawain, if I've pronounced that name, the ladies name correctly creative visualizations it's a pioneering classic sold seven million copies tell me about it and why you've chosen it
0: um this is a book and i will confess that i haven't really actually read um it's a book that um i love the kind of the spark notes of um it's a book it's a, well it's a philosophy ultimately that i i really believe in and share with a great friend of mine natalie Massine, who started um porter who's a brilliant brilliant woman um and she and i sort of bonded over this book because the, the premise ultimately is that um you know if you believe and and um, creatively visualise what, what you would like to happen. So maybe it's a, um, a work ambition or it's a, a personal ambition or it's um, some... For me, I used to be very, very, very scared of public speaking. Right. And, um, and so the idea of standing up and, and doing that was just... It was unthinkable. I couldn't, just couldn't get through my fear. And um, someone once taught me that, in fact... If you visualize, if you if you imagine you're standing on the podium and you're imagining all the faces looking at you and and you're you're seeing it going well and you actually you visualize what you would like to happen. Right. So you it almost A, it takes the fear away because almost it opens all your neural pathways and you actually um you are you've kind of almost done it, actually mm-hmm. is the point. So you've sort of it, it makes that whole process a lot easier. Um and so and I think if you apply that to, to all sorts of things. So maybe you you know you want to um you know achieve something. Um so recently we've just bought our business business back for example and in my my dream during that process what i really wanted to do was there's a picture behind me on the wall which is a a lovely margaret calvert of of a a sign of women at work so Mm. the the road sign of men at work but a women at work one and my absolute thing was i'm going to put that back on my wall and i'm going to take back my business and um and so you know visualizing that actually is much more likely to make it happen so you're sort of concretely actually saying these are my ambitions and therefore you're working very much and very clearly and coherently towards an aim as opposed to sort of slightly kind of following a a, a windy road so i do think that if you're quite concrete about saying i would like to achieve this Hmm. not in a sort of a you know silly way but in a in a kind of as a as a nice sort of good clear i think it's possible and i want to do it um it's much more likely to happen so that book is about is about that um that premise and i think uh it's it's a good way of thinking actually so that makes you very focused on actually what you're trying to achieve
1: it's interesting with uh some of those self-help books or in that genre some of them a bit like you, you needn't feel they're the best book out there, but you can take the message. And some of them, you don't need, like this one, you don't need to read the book to get it. So there's one I read ages ago, and it was like, it's like, feel the fear and do it anyway. And you go, got it. I mean, I don't need to read 300 pages of <laughs> examples. You're probably going to say, feel the fear and do it anyway. That's not a bad thing to do. Uh, that's quite helpful.
0: I, I mean, I so agree. I think, um, I mean, it, you know, a lot of them are quite cheesy, frankly. And um, and yet I think you always get one thing um, from it. It just helps you. And also it's taking time to stop and think. I think it's part of the process as well. There's a book I read ages ago, which was actually about, um, it's called The One Minute Manager. a very yes, famous yeah. series of books. And it's the idea of delegation. It's talking about the monkey as the, as the task, if you like. And it's about not having the monkey Monkey half on your back and half on someone else's back. So if you give a task, would you be kind enough to do X? Give it to them fully, give them a time frame, and leave them with that monkey. But don't leave half it on your backs, so and they can't do the job, and you can't let go. Of it. And very simple things like that. That really helped me when I was starting the business. And um, so lots of those. And so actually, I quite enjoy reading those sorts of books. I mean, grazing them, I will be honest. Um, and I often find because I think I'm sort of exhausted half the time and busy that it's quite difficult to sort of sink into a sort of a novel. And somehow I find sort of grazing these books is actually quite a nice way to. Survive relax but without giving too much time I I find I'm so sort of um uh, it's, it's hard to, to wind down and actually really mm. have the time to sort of get sunk into a good book. I do this on holiday. Uh, I will move away from self-help. You'll be pleased to know on holiday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you seen, that there's a, as a lady, I was in Texas at the thing called Southwest, and this woman gave this amazing speech that I was lucky enough to be at, but she's written a book and she's done a TED video. But it's about, it's similar to creative visualisation, where, you know, the the, the, the body language that a boxer or a sprinter will do if they win, the, 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 the arms in the air. And this woman, sort of nutty, um, you go well oh, if you stand in that victory pose before you're about to do something, you know, you present to your investors or the board or whatever, um, and you you know quietly in the loo, no one can see you, and you stand like you're you're a, you're a when you've just won the Olympic gold medal, and you do that for as little as ten seconds, and then you walk out in the water, you will be more confident. Now I do quite a lot of public speaking in my life and blah 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 to sometimes you know seven thousand people or whatever, and that can be <laughs> mildly petrifying. And so I thought, do you know what? I'm not going to tell anybody, and it's the first time I've ever mentioned it, but I think I'm going to. I'm just going to try that out for a laugh it's great it works so 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 I'm going to try out your I've actually ordered it but it didn't arrive in time the creative visualization so I'm going to I'll let you know if it's crap or not (laughs) well
0: I think in the same way that with my total fear of public speaking um I uh remember doing something called NLP which is neuro-linguistic programming because someone's see someone who can teach you how to do speeches and blah 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 um anyway this friend happened to to be someone who would coach people doing public speaking I had to do this big speech but also actually his process was this NLP and and actually that. That was fascinating and so that's the, the idea of actually your brain I'm so clever your brain you can um, you can actually just switch off fear so you might have fear on a number of things for me I, I used to really sort of hyperventilate it became a very physical thing and it was it was awkward and, and they trace it back to, to why and for me I actually wanted to, to sing professionally I, I loved classical music and and I had a very bad experience and so I, I just it, it really halted me so it take, they take you back over the experience and they kind of wash it from your brain effectively and then they bring you back and one thing and so you can approach anything I think if you if you look at things differently, one thing that he taught me which which really helped me was he said, when you're scared actually being scared is the same emotion as being excited, and so um, approach it from a different point of view. And, and it's good to have that grandma on your shoulder saying, "You're going to screw up, you're going to screw up." But just actually turn the volume down. He's there to protect you. Turn the volume down and actually just like trust yourself a bit more. You know, you've done a few things. It's sort of okay. So there's all sorts of ways to 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 yeah. learn and improve. And so um, whilst they're quite cheesy, I think you grab one thing from from each uh, each idea.
1: That's a great link actually, because you mentioned singing, yeah. and you've cho- we're winding forward 32 years for your song, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong but you've chosen Lux Arumque from Eric Whittaker the American composer 2010 uh, and it's a it's a choral piece a Christmas piece based on a Latin poem angels singing to the newborn babe tell me the story behind that
0: well, I absolutely love choral music, um, right. and that is um, makes me sound so deeply uncool. <laughs> but actually, I think it's it's a it's a um, I think I did a lot of singing um, when I was younger, and actually really considered it as a career. So um, so anyway, I loved choral music, and I and I still that's it's for me it's it's a thing of real beauty, although that close harmony and 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 very clever um, you know construction of, of music. And um, so um, there's been no time for really for music, frankly, apart from now, as I as the children a little bit older. So Sometimes I will go. And it's a bit like almost going to a meditation in a way when you can go and just take some time out. There was a beautiful one, to, one last week to Rachmaninoff Vespers and that's just, you know, it's so lovely. Um, and um, Eric Whisker is someone I discovered through his amazing um, virtual choir. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so I've done yeah.
1: lots of research before yeah. meeting you. I'm very yeah. pleased to meet you. And the 185 different people from 12 different countries send in them singing, warbling on and he mixes it yeah. into it's one. one
0: it's live. It's often live. So, so you will have this choir around the world, and people, kids in their bedrooms, as well as professional singers, and everyone sings together all their different parts, and it's just a very beautiful thing. I think it's very interesting. Um, we have a, a Christmas carol concert we do here every year, and singing together is a, is a very. I mean, it's incredibly. So, good what we,
1: in your firm,
0: yeah, 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 the, the yeah. Anya
1: High March yeah. carol it, it, singers it, it, choir.
0: Yeah, of <laughs> Um But so the point is, though, that singing. I mean, it's been proven to reduce stress levels. To I mean, it's, it's it ticks so many boxes. It's incredibly. It's a very base and important thing it's a very special thing and and even people when we coach some here to come on you know, someone from accounts I'm like, I'm, never I'm like just come by the end of it the smile on the face it's really lovely so so um anyway i love choral music i think it's a, a special thing and um and i think that um, whilst it hasn't got the coolest image, actually, when we were also sort of going back to thinking about mental health and taking time out, it's it's a very it's very nurturing, very beautiful it sort of feeds me. Um, and we were lucky enough to do this project, um, which was focusing on this this what we called the ch- chubby collection, which was this padded quilted collection we did, and we built the. Um, To celebrate it for Fashion Week, we built the world's largest beanbag, which sounds a bit mad, which we called the Chubby Cloud. Um, And you were allowed to come onto this enormous, you know, it was huge. I mean, absolutely huge. And we had 150 people on at a time. And it was a very meditative experience. It was very calm. um, And people, it's just, you know, first of all, they would jump around and then they just actually lie down. They use um, beanbags actually in psychiatric hospitals to calm people down. Um, And we had Eric. um, And I was lucky enough to have Eric his choir come and sing uh, wow. Rockwell, and it is the most beautiful piece of music um and once you get a taste for that sort of i think level of of kind of often clashing and, and complex harmonies it when you just think about ordinary music you know more sort of popular music it's actually it's just much less rich actually mm. so and so you know also the sort of um talis scholars anything by taverna i mean it's just you know that's uh, it's really really beautiful
1: so so are you religious do you, do you do you Did you go to church and then sing there, or...? or?
0: No, I don't go to church. I was at a Catholic convent. I'm not even Ah, Catholic. Ah, so that's beating that out of you. Yeah, well, uh, well, funny enough, it's interesting, because, I mean, I was a Catholic convent for school, and um, so I had sort of seven years of nuns and, and, you know, and and mass. What was interesting, it was actually more... We used to have sometimes overnight vigils, candlelit vigils, or we'd have at Easter sometimes once in your career at school you would stay and all the music would be specially written, or we would go to um, Israel, to Bethlehem, to Jerusalem, and actually sing... Uh, I have mass with beautifully special written music there, you know, on these incredible sites. It's so historic. So, actually, music and, and religion, fun enough, to, the, to that thing where, you know, we all have a an emotional side, we all have a spiritual side, whether it's religion per se, but some sort of spiritual thing is, is very special. Um, so, do I have that? Absolutely. Do I go to church every Sunday? Not at all. Do I sing in church? No. But do I get an absolute kick out of sitting in a beautiful, dark church with lots of candles, with beautiful music, and actually taking that moment? Absolutely. And if I had mm. more time, I would. Um so um, so that sort of music for me is is very, very beautiful and um, and singing and having this this choir was was really exceptional it was really a special experience actually.
1: So we're going to move from America, if, we, if, we, if it's going off Eric, uh, and we're going to Morocco. Now, I've been mean, Google imaging this place, Lala toukahoust um a god forsaken small little place of three thousand people just south of marrakesh uh, but beautiful i can see uh, from, from pinging around on the internet a lake a dam the atlas ma- mountains in the background uh what's going on there why have you chosen that
0: um well it's um it's a place that you know you find places that just for whatever reason sort of just you, you get there and you're like yep i'm me here and was you um, in a
1: spa resort or just well, backpacking so or what are you doing
0: um i mean i've been to marrakesh i think was well, since i was about six and i remember when i first went with my parents and how incredibly foreign it feels right. I mean it's as close to a really different world um, as you can get I think three hours from London um, a different climate the sound of the birds the bright blue skies um, the mountains that it's a it's a cold country with hot Sun um, it's a very really sort of special place and um I loved it. I remember going, you know, and I had very fair blonde hair when I was a child and there were water sellers and men selling oranges that had leaves still on them and things that you just didn't sort of have in London, all those tiny things and, and people were so fascinated by me, so they kept sort of touching my hair and it was it was frightening. It was kind of exciting and frightening. Um so I've always loved that culture and that um sort of richness and I've started going back quite a bit. Um, it's a lovely to, to the escape. same town. Well, so Marrakesh is, you know, obviously incredibly special. And then outside of Marrakesh, you have this, these wonderful Atlas mountains. And I think there's something about the clarity of the air um, and the light around the mountains. Um, so um, we sort of often go, or often go a few times a year. We'll go to for a long weekend, which you can do. Husband and, and kids, or just husband? yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's the two of us. Actually, it's quite nice. Sometimes also with the kids. And we were we actually decided to have my husband's sixtieth um, birthday um, there, and we took a, a very few a very small group of, of just a few families actually but just had the most lovely weekend um, and it's a place where it's, it's definitely Moroccan it's not um, you know as long as you go to France and they're trying to sort of do sushi one minute and something the next you know, it's Moroccan food it's Moroccan through and through we arrive on the, the Friday night um, they put on the hammam you're scrubbed you are um you're scrubbed you're you know lying in this amazing hammam steamed they wash you like a child they wash your hair you then have dinner in front of the fire where you have a lovely tagine and you're sitting there all wrapped up because it's cold and in the morning you go for a hike and in there's incredible mountains and it's hot 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 um, and have lunch outside with that delicious handmade bread and and um, and it's just it's just sort of it really sounds, lovely sounds it's gorgeous un- sort of fancy it's very un-fashion uh, which is what I love when I'm off um, and you know you go back and um, and you just I don't know that lovely de- delicious fresh orange juice and the call to prayer I mean it's very it's very exotic actually.
1: Did you travel with your own handbags?
0: Yes of course. Right. Okay. <laughs> 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 yes, <I
1: do. laughs> so, so it's unfashioned, but you've got a piece of fashion.
0: Well yes but I'm lucky enough I can design things that I want and need and for me fashion I'm not, I'm not a frilly fashion person I mean I love fashion Only for the end game, which is that you feel good. So fashion for me is is about confidence. It's about putting on things that you wear. And when you are wearing them, you then don't think about what you're wearing. You are the best of you, if you like. Owning Um, the front cover exactly and and it's just that you then forget about it and you just smile with your eyes and so um, so I am lucky enough that I can make things that work for me and and um, and sort of you know feel lovely and beautifully makes I'm fascinated by craftsmanship as my real passion and um, and so so I do absolutely but I think when I'm off I also like to be off you know you want to kind of go and I can I can be very happy in my my um, my lovely jalabber and my sort of you know my nice sloppy handbag and, and I'm off duty which is nice yeah
1: so I'm uh, probably the least fashionable person you will ever meet (laughs) but I I do like good craftsmanship and things well made but I've got a a yearning for things that justify them being sort of expensive and special and that is functionality Mm. so I love a you know a really expensive watch and I go yeah but I can also tell the time so I like the handbags what what's what's going to do with me I don't use handbags but I like the fact if it's a really you know expensive beautiful handbag and people rave about your brand and you and your products is yeah but you can also put things in it and carry it if it was just i, I, I mean i don't know uh, a broke you go yeah but it's just it just looks nice nothing wrong with that but for me i need the justification of you can put it over your shoulder it's got my passport in so it's serving a function as well as being sensational
0: well i think me, i'm fascinated by i mean for me um you know the word luxury is just means nothing anymore and and for me luxury is is so much about the craft how things are made and the functionality I and mean, the reason i I think we all love our phone as they're fantastically functional they are our you know they are our phone they are our camera they are our, you know photo albums they are our diaries and they it's so efficient so it's you heaven. are the
1: world's best intuitive link merchant because that is the link to your possession You're you right. have chosen <laughs> well, you your phone the, so let, let's go they there fell out of me. <laughs> so, the <laughs> so obviously nice. these Sorry, are real I've choices <laughs> yeah. so, so tell me yeah. why you have chosen your phone well
0: so to the point that you know it's it's i think efficiency is luxury you know the fact that i don't have to carry all those things i spoke. of about separately and lug them around and you know it's, a, it's an effort so it's a real luxury to have things that are really efficient so I think that's very lovely I mean I also think luxury for me is about stories yes. so you know whilst the phone is super efficient that's and it has my lovely stories in it my photographs and all my diary and all the things that make up me um, I also love the idea of something that uh, might be a beautiful leather wallet or, or journal that has a handwritten message in from my husband in Boston to the leather that mm. I can always say I was given this on this birthday because I was going traveling and you know so I think stories are also what luxury is about so there's various different leather of things that interest me um, but no you're right to my possession sorry that was really neat and, and <laughs> unplanned just to say um, I um was, it, was love- it an
1: easy one for you to choose or did you...
0: Well, I mean, if we're honest, it's the one thing you'd kind of, you know, would you not grab it? Yes, it's got all your photos in, it's got, you know, it's your life, you know, it's your... I was, as my phone goes off, it's like, that's my child calling, you know, it's the, the noise of, you know, so I- you hear your own phone ring, don't you? I've
1: just come from a lunch, but the reason why I'm wearing a tie, which I haven't worn for four years, this is from a charity shop, um, <laughs> is I'm meeting a friend of my wife in his club. Yeah. And I had to, had to have a tie, so I got to nip into Oxfam and buy a tie. Um, but also, you can't use your phone. So we've just had lunch sitting around, you know, dear old friends. And what I have realised, it's not about checking work texts, I couldn't care less, right? But I pepper my conversation with, have you been to wherever? And then I'll get my phone out and show you a picture. How's your kids doing? And, and you think, wow, so that a prop. And, and this nice friend, JJ, said, you've got to use your imagination. Well, we're, we're going to Grace and Perry's house this weekend, oh, the, the house for yeah. Essex. and. Yeah, the, but I would show a picture of it to you. Yes, totally. But, but I can't because I you're not allowed yeah, picture in class.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but it's right. we had the same conversation last night. Actually, someone was talking, and he, he was a, he was an architect, and he was talking and, and showing. The person next to him said, "No, no, talk, don't show." Yes. Me. And it's a real discipline, and it's hard. In some ways, I think it's it's a shame because I think that it's much richer for all the conversation. And, and it, when we didn't have phones with pictures on, we would have probably had a little brag book of pictures in our in our notebook, or you know, so so you would have probably had that anyway. But um, I think though it is obviously it's a real luxury for that reason of it being wildly efficient. I, I'm a Obsessed by photographs um, just because it's so lovely to record your, your life and your kids and so on, but also interesting things you see. I find it a very um, rich source of inspiration. So, um, one of the things I did fairly recently, which was quite a luxury, I think, is I actually scanned every one of the photographs because I had drawers and drawers and drawers and drawers of photographs, you know, from way back, from since I was born. And I put the whole lot so i had literally a room full of boxes of photographs and someone came and picked them up and scanned the the whole thing and brought back one tiny tiny little usb drive um which now contains all my photographs so now every single one of my photographs is scanned in on my ipad i can go right back to there i was born yeah which is amazing i can search i can you know take a face and search through the years um and that's a real luxury you can sit on a plane you have every single one of your photographs ever taken um and then I burnt them all. Isn't that really terrifying that I had to do Because so I thought, what's the point of if I've got them? If I take a photograph you, today... Oh, you burnt the
1: hard copies? Yeah. Like, or in a sort of ceremonial witch ceremony? really a hard
0: moment. Because, in fact, if I take a photograph today and it's on my phone, I don't have a hard copy. I don't need a hard copy, right? It's there, it's backed up. I have a very efficient system. So the photographs that were just cheap kind of, you know, drugstore kind of printing ones, I don't need to keep them. I've now got them logged and safe. So... That was easy. I could burn all of those. If there was anything nice, I kept, like, a beautifully hand-printed photograph. But anyway, big moment to do all of that. And that was a real luxury, actually, because it means I have absolute access to my photographs. I can sit on a plane and, and call off any... And the kids borrow my, my iPad and sit and just go through and then laugh. Where you do know.
1: you stand on silver frames? The silver frame on your grand piano with you and your husband <laughs> at your wedding or whatever.
0: I think it's really nice to have photographs out. I mean, not so many that it's sort of, you know, drowning. But I think it's lovely to be surrounded by photographs. And they're, 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 it's, it's a thing that it definitely improves your your mood. And memories, you know, they, they have an effect on you, I think. It's a really nice thing. Um, although, of course, if they're there all the time, you don't notice them. So it's quite nice to... to and, and with
1: five well. kids, so this is, I mean, definitely the, the true true of us, is, you know, we've got oodles of pictures of Alex, our oldest. and. <laughs> Not so many of our fourth. Um, Now, tell me, you mentioned uh, earlier taking back your business Mm. so rookie error did you sell it to someone who didn't give a toss and edged you out or was it just a naturally run its course or Uh,
0: no i mean we we sold a bit of it um and 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 with really nice people had a very nice relationship there was no issues there but i actually i missed i missed the sort of owning of it and um and so we bought it back about about four weeks ago congratulations um, with a a new partner and um it's really exciting actually. and so um i had sort of sold a bit of it thinking i wanted to perhaps go down to three days i mean i've worked since i was 18 and and have a very busy home life and so on and thought that I would want to um, take a bit more time and. You so on. don't
1: want. I've kind only of, met you for. Half an hour. You don't want <laughs> to do really what I do, which is. You
0: don't want to do, relax. Do you want to yeah. keep
1: working, which <laughs> is fine. Fun.
0: You know what? There's, there's a journey to go on. And actually, I like leading my people myself, and, yeah. and I, I sort of miss that role a bit. So, so yeah, no, really exciting and um, busy because I was I, I originally, obviously, when I grew the business from from nothing, so um, sort of grew all those departments. But I finally was doing both the sort of CEO role and the creative role. And I thought I should pick one because it was, you know, getting mm. too much. And um, so I picked the creative, even though I was kind of keen on both. Um, thinking that was the more difficult one to sort of recruit, and brought in a CEO. Uh, and I've gone back to doing both. So it's sort of hard because you're sort of sucking up all the kind of distribution and supply chains and warehousing and agreements and God knows what to sort of manage. But actually, you know what? It's it's really it's really lovely. I'm really happy. Actually. So is
1: it in my? I, I've got a variety of different hats, but in my sort of conventional business hat, I've mm. talked to lots of CEOs. Um, And there are certain types of people which I completely empathise with where you don't want to be reporting to anyone. You've got your bloody name on the bag. You need to be in total control. doesn't mean you don't hire lots and lots and lots of very, very, very senior people, but when push comes to shove, you're the boss of them.
0: I think I am a bit of a control freak. I will admit, and, and my husband would call me bossy. Although I think it's very important to rename that word "bossy" for women to being leadership ah, skills. Yes. yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, does. Everyone. I once sort of,
1: said to, to <laughs> my wife, "Having a nana nap, like, power nap."
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> now I'm going um, to ask you yeah. the last question, yeah. the last trick question, yeah. um, which is: Who would you like to hear on Five of My Life next? And I can get anybody. They, they can't be dead, okay, and they shame. can't be fictional. Okay. Um, but so, who would you like me to interview
0: Next. Oh, um, so many people are really interesting. I mean, there's a. I don't know if you know Christian Amunpoh. Who's really the fascinating? Reporter? Yes. yes. She's cnn and who was a, a war correspondent is amazing and she's fascinating. She's a very dear friend of mine actually. And she is fascinating. You'll love her. Um gosh, there's so many people. Who would I like to hear? Um
1: well, let's stick with Christine. Okay. So, oh, Christine would be
0: pretty cool. I'll be giving yeah. you a ring this afternoon. Okay. okay. You it's, should it's interview been... Kirsty Young.
1: <laughs> oh God, I'd love to. Do you know, it's, it's been a real pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed hearing you um talk, and thank you for being so generous and authentic and open.
0: Well, thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed it too. It's very very nice to you.
1: The Five of My Life was presented by me, Nigel Marsh, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Alex Mitchell, sound production and theme music by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nicolish. For more episodes, go to podcast1.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search the Five of My Life on Apple Podcasts.